Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. I am delighted that you are with me today. We are continuing our series on how you create and maintain vibrancy in your school. It's way too much work to start or work in a school with the whole aim of mediocrity. Nobody wants that. But good intentions, just like in every other area of life, are never sufficient to achieve your aims. You've got to have not just the vision, you've got to have the strategy, the resources, and the people to make it happen. Hey, and speaking of resources, if you haven't already, hop on over to the website, key3educators.com. You can put in the numeral three or you can write it out. It'll get you there just the same and just as quickly and sign up for the Three Keys newsletter. I promise you are not going to get bombarded all the time with meaningless dribble. You're not going to get grading clutter. You're going to get great content. Have you ever had a challenge or a problem and you, you worked at it and you thought about it and you prayed about it and then one day somebody made a comment or a recommendation, you read something in a book, you saw something, maybe even a movie, you attended a conference, And all of a sudden, there was your answer. You know, the truth is, it's just one idea or insight or recommendation or resource that can make all the difference between remaining stuck in a problem and solving that problem. If you're just now joining, and this is the first podcast episode of Key 3 Educators you've listened to, we are in the midst of a series on vibrancy in schools. And I am recommending to you, highly recommending to you, the book, Predictable Success by Les McEwen. This is not my book. It's actually a business book, but it has phenomenal application to schools and other organizations. The subtitle of the book is Getting Your Organization on the Growth Track and Keeping It There. I'm going to amend that a little bit for our purposes and say getting your school on the vibrancy track and keeping it there. I highly recommend that your board, staff, administrator not only get this book, but that you read this book and that you continue to build this into your culture. It will give all of your people a shared language. You know, when God wanted to disempower people, Way back at the Tower of Babel, when they were using their unity to accomplish a purpose that was set against him, he stripped them of their power by confusing their languages. Shared language is one of the elements of a powerful organization that is going to be able to succeed. And a resource like Predictable Success will give everyone a shared language because it's laid out in such a way that it's easy to grasp and understand. And somebody can say, you know, I wonder if we're kind of in that whitewater phase. And everybody who's read this book and there's been conversation about it is immediately going to know what they're talking about. So I highly recommend this. I also want to be clear that Although I am recommending this book and I'm using a lot of the the language and the ideas in the book, I am adapting and adjusting these specifically to you 
as a Christian school leader or educator. So everything that I am saying does not get pulled directly from the book. I'm adapting from the book and trying to make application of it in its most useful form for you in Christian education. There is also no way I'm able to cover all of the content in this book, which is why I highly recommend that you get it for yourself. So we've talked about the first three phases that organizations go through. There's early struggle where you're just trying to get a school off the ground. And then there's the fun phase. Wow, you made it. You got out of early struggle and it's time to celebrate. And then if you grow, you will inevitably hit the whitewater phase. And if you make it successfully out of whitewater, you're going to enter into predictable success. And that is the phase that you're going to want to stay in. Now, that's going to take some work. You don't just arrive there and then put your feet up and go, all right, we got it made now, baby. No, you're going to have to stay there to to maintain that phase because you're going to get pulled in one of two directions. You're either going to get pulled back into whitewater or more likely as a school You're going to get sucked into treadmill and you're never going to know it. You see, what happens is in order to get out of whitewater, and again, if you're in whitewater, you may decide, you know what, we're just going to stay small. We're not going to embrace the complexity that growth brings. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's absolutely a worthwhile and valuable goal. And you can decide that you're going to go back into the fun phase. Now, even there, you're still going to have to work because your tendency is either going to get pulled back into early struggle and you're going to bob in and out of there, or you're going to bob in and out of fun and whitewater. So none of these phases is where you just arrive and then stay there unless you get to the treadmill phase, and even that inevitably is going to land you into the next two phases where you definitely don't want to go. So we looked at the specific objectives in each of those phases. And in Whitewater, we talked about the importance of being very clear on your destination and the route you were going to take to get there. I live in mid-Missouri, and if I say to a friend, and we're going to drive separately, hey, let's go to Charleston, South Carolina. That's awesome. But if I'm taking the most direct route and she's taking the most scenic route, we are not going to arrive there at the same time. So in the whitewater, you have to be clear, not just about your destination. You've got to be clear about your route. Secondly, You have to establish effective and scalable communication practices. And third, this is where leadership roles and responsibilities become so important to an organization. And oftentimes, especially in Christian organizations, good decisions aren't made about how people get into leadership roles, and that can have a huge impact in the long run. By their very nature, Businesses who make it to predictable success phase will get sucked into the next phase, which is treadmill. And Les points out there are three characterizations of treadmill. Number one is the loss of innovation. And he says, and here's where I quote, in treadmill, it becomes easier to copy 
than innovate. Number two is the loss of step growth. So this is where an organization doesn't rise to meet the new challenges that are always going to come in life. And it focuses more on imitation than innovation. And the third characterization is the suppression of bad news. In 2008, in the United States, we had a huge financial earthquake And a big part of that was tied to how homes had been purchased and mortgaged for a number of years prior. And if you look at how that occurred and how institutions like Lehman Brothers was brought down, one of the consistent factors that you will see is organizations whose leadership surrounded themselves with yes people and suppressed bad news. People who had been in these companies for a long time that were well-respected, that had proven their value, when they began to raise warning flags about practices, they were shushed and sometimes they were fired because at the height of all of this, before the collapse, companies were making a lot of money and people didn't want to hear from someone who came along and said, uh, excuse me, but this is not going to last forever. At some point, this system isn't sustainable. It will collapse. But in the moment, people were making huge amounts of money and didn't want to hear that. So across the board, you see in organization after organization, business after business, we don't want your bad news. We will shut you down or we will shut you out or we will get rid of you entirely. Sadly, we have seen that same thing happen in the larger church culture of where there has been abuse of power and position. And the response to that sometimes for decades has been, we are going to keep this quiet. We're going to suppress this. We're going to shush people. We're going to discredit them. We're going to kick them out. And just like that came back to bite, not just the institutions, but a lot of innocent people with the housing and financial crisis, So what has happened in some of these other areas has come back and hurt innocent people. Now, you might be thinking, hey, we're just a small school over here. Why are you talking about organizations like the Lehman Brothers and these these big church scandals? Because something that harms people always harms people as individuals. Even when there's enough of those individuals that it brings down the collapse of an entire organization, still the impact is felt at the individual level. So you may be a school with only 20 students, but you know what? You are at the very same risk of causing your students to have a mediocre education if you don't learn the lessons that we see in the big screen, if you will, that we can apply to the small screens of our individual lives in schools. So in the treadmill phase, schools get sucked here and I think have an even stronger pull to get struck in. Schools by their very nature are going to end up in the treadmill phase if there is not great intentionality on the part of leadership to be mindful that there is a double gravitational pull, if you will, towards schools. Why is that? Well, it's because of our conveyor belt model system of education. And if you wonder what that is, I explain that more in depth 
and the two-part episodes of Chocolate Education and I Love Lucy. Because you see, we don't have to create a market. Kids just keep being born. They turn about age six and they go to school. So there's this natural production of students. Now, that doesn't mean you're automatically going to be handed a market for your particular school, but it is different than businesses who are having to start from scratch. And then with the age conveyor belt system, then unless something drastic happens, students just continue to advance simply because of their age. And if we're honest, students don't just advance because they are prepared to advance. They often advance because teachers or administrators or parents don't want to hold a student back because it's embarrassing, it's problematic, it's difficult. And so students continue also to advance when they shouldn't simply because of their age. And that creates this additional pull into the treadmill phase in addition to the regular pull that just comes because of organizational dynamics and growth. What moves an organization out of predictable success and into treadmill is where the processes take over. You see, to move from whitewater to predictable success, an organization needs to put processes in place that allow for sustainable achievement of goals and growth, as well as adaptation to new challenges that are going to arise. But what often happens is that the processes and the process people come in and they, and they're needed, they're necessary, but by default, they begin to rise to the surface because let's face it, processes are a lot easier to deal with than people. And if I can just have a process so that I don't have to deal with the complexity of people, hey, let's just go with the process. And this is why in education, we don't see the level of innovation in our nation that we have seen in any other area of life. I mean, think about it. How different are our school structures now than they were 50, 100 200 years ago. If our transportation models or our technology was as similar to what we had 150 years ago as what our educational models are, we'd still be fighting over what was the right way to build a wagon wheel. And one of the reasons for this is because the systems and processes in education so take over and replace innovation and adaptation. So what are the key objectives if you find yourself in treadmill or getting pulled into treadmill that can get you out of treadmill and back to predictable success? Here they are. Number one, and these these are not directly from the book. I want to be clear about that. This is my own adaptation of the principles espoused in predictable success. Number one, humility. I think a concise definition of humility is courageous honesty. It's usually being honest enough about myself to know this is my weakness. This is where I struggle. And to be able to say that and to take real ownership of that. You have to have the humility to first acknowledge, hey, you know what? We're in treadmill. We're more about maintaining our processes than we are about really, truly measuring our success. 
we're letting our process define and measure our success rather than our people. If you're relying heavily on test scores to measure your success, you have moved from allowing people to define and measure your success to a process. And while that can look right on paper, it doesn't really fly in the real world. You have to have the courageous honesty, the humility to say, hey, our processes have become or are becoming more powerful than our people. Number two, you have to prioritize diversity of perspective. This isn't just having the token teacher on your staff who is an outlier, who teaches in a very different way. And it's not just having meetings where everybody gets to have their input, but it doesn't really mean anything because leadership's going to do whatever they want to do anyway. It's truly about going back to that humility and, and prioritizing and seeking after and gathering and cultivating different perspectives. If you don't have any conflict in how math should be handled in your school, for example, you've got a treadmill problem. You ought to be having enough conflict that it's pushing you towards innovation. If you don't have any of that, it's a good chance you're in treadmill. There have been different studies shown that people who are in education often fall within similar personality types. They often have very similar strengths and perspectives. And while I don't think that's unique to education, I think that can be true in a lot of industries. Organizations who thrive are those who are intentional to seek out and to prioritize different perspectives. There is a difference between unity of purpose and unity of path. You want to have unity of purpose amongst your leadership and your staff. That's imperative. But if you don't have ongoing diversity, even lively conflict on diversity of path, you're probably in treadmill. And here's where it is incredibly dangerous for schools. See, here's the thing. A business will not be able to be sustainable over the long haul if they continue producing widgets that get out into the market and then fail. If a business is producing water bottles, for example, and it comes back that those water bottles are always breaking apart and they're found to have toxic chemicals, that business is not going to survive very long. But schools can continue to churn out students year after year, decade after decade, who go out into adult life and really aren't prepared for adult life. And yet, because of the whole conveyor belt model of education, they can continue to stay in operation. Hello, can we look at our public schools and see that? And let me just say here, I am not dissing on public education in terms of individuals. I want to see us have a strong public education system here in the United States. I, my children, my grandchildren, generations from, from now, we're not just impacted by other Christians or people who graduate from Christian schools. We're going to be impacted by everybody, no matter where they graduate from. 
So it is in our nation's best interest to be able to have educated students, whether they come from a homeschool, private school, or public school background. But we would not have the issues that we have with education if it weren't for the fact that schools can remain on treadmill status for years, far longer than any business could survive. Your heart for quality education, your heart for your students is not sufficient to keep your organization from getting stuck on treadmill. So you've got to have the humility, the courageous honesty to recognize when you're in treadmill or you're headed that direction. Number two, you've got to prioritize diversity of perspective. Again, if you don't have some conflict kind of consistently going on on path, you might be in treadmill. And number three, you need a 360-degree vision. Here's what I mean by that. You need to be able to see all the way around your organization to know how you are really, truly doing. Because your board is only going to see within its sphere. Your teachers are only going to be able to see within their arena. Administration might only be able to see within their sphere. And your leadership must be able to implement practices so that you have a truly 360-degree vision for what's going on in the entire organization. And this will never happen by default. You have to be intentional about creating this. It's one of the reasons I recommend at least every five years, it's not something you need to do every year, but at least every five years, or within a year or two of any significant structural or leadership change that you conduct a 360-degree audit. I offer a workshop on how you can do that. Maybe that's something we'll talk about in future episodes. I don't know. That might be down the road. But it is something that I do offer some training for. How do you actually do that as a school? If Kmart Executive Leadership would have brought me in years ago and said, Tell me what we need to address in our school, in our stores. It would have been easy. I could have just said, you know what? If I walk into a Kmart store now, it looks about exactly the same as it did when I was eight years old. You've got to know not just what you think people are experiencing and not just what the experiences are of those people around you. You've got to know what everybody in your organization is experiencing? What are your families experiencing, your students? And here is where Christian schools in particular sometimes make the mistake of thinking that what applies in the world at large is going to be true for them. And that is, well, if people have a complaint, you're going to know about it. That can actually be just the opposite in Christian schools. Now, some of you are like, oh, you have not been in my shoes. You wouldn't believe the complaints I get. Look, I've probably been in your shoes and I know the complaints that can come through. And if I haven't been in your shoes, I've got enough life experience. I can imagine the type of complaints that come through. But here's what's unique for a Christian school. Number one is you will have people who will never express a concern or a complaint because they do not want to seem unchristlike. They don't want to be gossiping. They don't want to be ungrateful. They don't want to come across like complainers. And so they won't say anything. They will talk themselves out of their concerns. 
they will minimize them. Well, when you look at the big problems in life, who am I to complain about the way this got handled? After all, when we have eternal salvation at stake, why should I spend any time being frustrated because my child comes home and tells me that when they ask the science teacher for help understanding a concept, the teacher says, look, I've already been over that. I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore. I mean, really, what, what should I do about that? I mean, I guess nothing. I need to just let it go. The second reason that schools are vulnerable to not really truly hearing what's going on is because people's kids are involved. I don't want to bring something up because what happens if I offend that teacher? And while we'd all like to think that, oh, it's just all going to work out and, and it's going to be fine and there will not be any repercussions on my kid. That's not the real world. And we all know that. And so we don't need to pretend like we're living in some fantasy world. Rather, we need to embrace and address those concerns that are very real. So we can't just say to people, hey, you need to come forward and you need to speak up. And we want to really hear what you're experiencing. We have to intentionally create the processes and the structures in place to solicit that input in a meaningful way that gives you a 360-degree view of how your organization and your school is actually faring. Now, if you do not make it back to predictable success as a school, you're probably going to stay in treadmill. It is possible that you will move in the wrong direction and you will encounter one or two of the next phases, which are the big rut, and death rattle. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into those, not because they're not worthwhile and not because it doesn't happen, because schools absolutely go into death rattle. They absolutely fall apart and collapse. And even thriving organizations can, can get to that point. But because of the unique factors in education, I think it's most likely that if schools move in the wrong direction out of predictable success, they're going to land in treadmill and that's where they're going to stay. But you don't have to do that. You can make it to predictable success or you can decide to stay in fun. Either way, you're going to have a set of tensions to embrace and to deal with so that you achieve your goals. So again, even though this book is written for businesses, I highly recommend it. You are smart enough to be able to see the principles and then how you can apply those to your own individual institution. That resource, again, is predictable success, getting your organization on the growth track and keeping it there by Les McEwen. And I will reference that in the show notes. Hey, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Would you take just a moment and leave a review? It's not only helpful for me, but it's a way for the algorithms that be to let other people know how to find this podcast. And then hop on over to the website, key3educators.com, sign up for the Three Keys newsletter, check out the other resources that are there, including speaking engagements. And until next time, remember, my friend, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, 
love God, and live connected.